Here we go. Hello, and welcome back to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Bo North. And I'm Megan Sunday. On this show, we're discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series chapter by chapter. And this week, we're back to talk about chapter 30, just as soon as our planet kills us. Aww. You made a, you made a little joke earlier that I thought was very funny where you said, <laughs> welcome back to Let's Get Sad. This it's is just... a sad... It is a sad chapter. This is a very sad chapter. It's short and it's sad. (laughs) Yes. We're going to pour one out for our friend, Dr. Kynes. Yes. (laughs) But before we do that, we have another long and not as long as last week, but long and very weird epigraph from Irulan. She does a little freestyling on this one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh i wish <laughs> it's very weird <laughs> but i will let you read that one this week thank you megan <laughs> oh good what a week to start losing my voice <laughs> all right from arrakis awakening by the princess Arulin. i think this is a new one i don't know if we've seen that title before yeah it doesn't sound familiar but it also sounds very self-helpy very new age, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this Fremen religious adaptation, then, is the source of what we now recognize as the pillars of the universe, whose Quizara Tafwid are among us all with signs and proofs and prophecy. They bring us the Arakine mystical fusion, whose profound beauty is typified by the stirring music built on the old forms, but stamped with the new awakening. Who has not heard and been deeply moved by the old man's hymn? I drove my feet through a desert, whose mirage fluttered like a host. Voracious for glory, greedy for danger, I roamed the horizons of Al-Kulab, watching time-level mountains in its search and its hunger for me. And I saw the sparrows swiftly approach, bolder than the onrushing wolf. They spread in the tree of my youth. I heard the flock in my branches and was caught on their beaks and claws. Okay. Okay, well, it's not going to replace bad romance anytime soon, but it's catchy. It's very catchy. I'm sure there's music for that somewhere, but I couldn't I'm presume sure. to just make it up on my own. Because so. someone called Grimes. <laughs> Set it to the music from uh, Desert Rose. Right. <laughs> um... So is is the old man Dr. Kynes, do you think? I mean, I guess in I guess it's sort of a I'm guessing that this is not in so much that he was the inspiration for it, but that mm-hmm. it's like, see, this is not not unusual. Mm. Also, it's sort of their version of, you know, the old cliche of putting people out on an, on an ice floe. Mm-hmm. Sort of, well, bye, desert. <laughs> well, you're old. Go walk into the desert and die. Bye, Max von Sydow. <laughs> Is that what happens to him in Judge Dredd? Um, it's been a while since I've seen Judge Dredd. I think it is. I think they just... I've seen just... Dredd more recently, the uh, Carl yeah. Urban one, which I liked a lot, but... Judge Dredd, I think I saw when it came out and have not, I said, nope, and <laughs> have not seen it since. Well, I think, I think his character wanders into the desert in that. Um, but unfortunately in this one, poor Liet is not, he didn't do this on purpose. Right. The Harkonnens have decided to punish him or, you know, get rid of him, but I guess because he does work for the Emperor, they can't actually kill him. So yeah. they have sent him out into the desert with no still suit and are just letting nature take its course. Oh. And it sounds, I'm not going to lie, like this was rough. This was mm-hmm. brutal. Just listening to him talk about like how hot he was and how thirsty he was. And, you and know, this is someone who not just as, as a Fremen, but as, you know, the planetologist knows exactly what's happening. Yeah. And exactly what will happen. Yeah. And, oh, Yeah, it's kind of horrifying. 
and they you know he's got all these wounds and mm. there's sand in them and oh it's just yeah. terrible he deserves better but you're he's not gonna actu- get it with the harkonnen no he's actually crawling he's like crawling mm-hmm. through the desert this poor poor man mm-hmm. yeah i thought this inter- this chapter on top of being like you know very sad and very depressing and pretty brutal like it was also pretty interesting just because of the part at the end which we'll get into more but yes yeah it's not just he's also like he's having i guess because of the heat because of the thirst and dehydration like he's actually hallucinating at this point mm-hmm. he's hearing his father talking to him and just as a note, if you're listening on the audiobook, it's very confusing because, as I've said before, sometimes they have, like, I want to say, like, a cast of actors come in and do voices, and then sometimes it's just the narrator. But this chapter is actually a mix of the two, and they have, like, it begins with one of the cast members actually, like, reading and then in Kynes's voice, and then it becomes the narrator so there's a little bit of switching back and forth in this chapter was kind of confusing so if you're listening along just be <laughs> like know that it's it's weird mm-hmm. which i think i don't know if they did it on purpose but it was very disorienting and it it did like make me feel more in the story yeah he's so he's seeing hallucinations of his father but he can't focus on them and his dad is just like lecturing him. Mm-hmm. It's at first, it's it's more to its exact situation because he's just like, you know, this is what you should have known would happen if you helped Paul. Mm-hmm. And then he just starts giving him all these facts about, you know, being an ecologist and uh, the desert and plans um, for Arrakis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Kynes is like, well, I know all this. Like, why Why is this my hallucination? <laughs> mm-hmm. I do like that he's sort of frustrated by that. He's like, why is my dad's ghost possibly here? And he's just telling me things I've known since I was a kid. And he can also, yeah. the important thing is that he he smells what he calls pre-spice underneath him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's thinking about crawling underneath the sand. Because he thinks, if he, you know, he knows if he digs down, he can hide in, like, the cooler level of the sand and hide, you know, probably till night. Yeah. So, um, what, just, yeah. To, just to clarify, like, what is pre-spice? Because it seems to be, at, like, moisture and chemicals breaking down under the sand. It's about to make, like, a, it, once it reaches, like, once there's, it builds up so much, there's going to be, like, critical mass and it will explode yeah. up to the surface. Is that, it's am I like, understanding that right? It's like a fungus. I hate to say it, it sounds like a, it sounds like a pimple almost. Yeah, or like a fungus. Yeah, it's it's sort yeah. of like a fungus that grows under the, the earth, um, mm-hmm. by which I just mean like the ground. And basically when it comes about when water touches whatever the little makers are excreting mm. yeah. and then it creates pressure and then eventually it just it explodes like mm-hmm. a geyser almost um and, and then... what's a consequence of that though is it always brings a worm well because it's it's like blowing spice everywhere yeah it like blows up and then it creates spice i like how i'm acting this out as well this is a, an audio <laughs> podcast but i can't help it visually uh, woo, woo. Uh, but basically you don't want to be on top of one mm-hmm. but he also doesn't know if he can get far enough away from it uh mm-hmm. unfortunately at this point also he's being harassed by a hallucination of his father yeah his hallucinad i called him yeah <laughs> There is a point where he thinks that it's sad, but it's also, you know, like, oh, he says, why doesn't he shut up? Can't he see I'm dying? It's like, yeah, you're, oh, poor, I know. you're being haunted by your dad and he's just being an ass. And he says something like he's he's kind of I'm interested in this like family history because he's like, you know, he's 
You were never you were never there when I needed you, and now I'm dying, and I can't get rid of you. Mm-hmm. Kind of moment, and it, it's it is very sad and very touching, very human moment. Yeah, and he, and it's I think an interesting sort of. I think it also speaks to I guess you would call it kind of Kind's dual positions because he's yeah. he's half Fremen. If I remember mm-hmm. this correctly, his yeah. dad was not. His dad just came to Arrakis and was yeah, the previous an outsider. Yeah, married a Fremen, had kinds, mm-hmm. uh, and so his dad is speaking to him very much as the ecologist. He's like, "This is yeah. you know, this is what's happening with the the you know the pre-space mass is forming. You know about that? Like, look, the predators are circling and." Mm-hmm. You know, you need to conserve your water. You need to do this. Whereas he's also thinking, like, I need to be digging down under, oh, into a cooler level. I need to try to think if I can get somewhere where, like, you know, he sees the, when Kind sees there's birds, uh, like hawks and vultures and whatnot circling, you know, he thinks, well, maybe the Fremen will see this and know that that means that there's something there. Because that's Mm -hmm. not very common in the desert. Right. And so it's just these two, sort of his two sides, where his dad's just like, hello, here I am, and I'm going to talk science at you. <laughs> if As we opposed... introduce certain plant and animal species, yada, yada, yada. Oh, my God. <laughs> a lecturing ghost. I mean, I know it's a hallucination, but a lecturing yeah. ghost. That oh, would be my no. luck. No, thank you. <laughs> I don't need a ghost trying to, you know teach me things <laughs> no i was never very good in school and i don't imagine i would be very good at at this plus you'd probably i mean it's a ghost so it's doubtful that you're going to get anyone who knows current science you're going to get some like 19th century victorian <laughs> who just likes collecting shells and fossils for toothaches i recommend cocaine <laughs> great do you have any i'm dying <laughs> might as well go out with a bang just brushing your teeth, it just appears in the mirror. I can't help yeah. but notice you're not using cocaine tooth drops. <laughs> oh my god, this ghost. Please oh, leave. <laughs> no, my ghost is my dealer. <laughs> this ghost brings me all this cocaine. <laughs> Laudanum, don't mind if I do. <laughs> I'm very much enjoying, just a side, as a side note, we're reading these crazy like gilded age uh cozy mystery series so many there's so many of them there's so many (laughs) and i'm enjoying how much there's just laudanum everywhere all the time it's just like laudanum so easy to get and i'm just like man what a different time and if there's not people overdosing on it then mm-hmm. it's, you know, people saying, well, you could take one drop because, mm-hmm. you know, you're in severe pain or whatever. And then there's just someone who's like, oh, she's taking it every day. <laughs> she hasn't <laughs> gotten out of her bed. <laughs> yeah. If it, that's for you Deadwood fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> I am my favorite, uh, my favorite book, the novel Possession. Uh, yeah. One of the characters. A.S. Byatt. Yes. A.S. Byatt. A classic. Um, somewhere, friend of the show, Sammy C. just went, <laughs> <laughs> her possession bells went off um yeah one of the characters gets uh chronic migraines and will mention mm-hmm. just like taking laudanum and sleeping for two days until she wakes up and the headache's gone and there is a part of me because i i get migraines it's just like huh. i know say it does sound good i mean we still have laudanum today it's called hydrocodone yeah. anyway but you don't get it in a f- side f- fancy little bottle yeah, you can no. like wear around your neck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, poor Kynes. He's. I bet he, he wishes he had some laudanum right now. Something. Yeah. His dad's yeah. talking about all the things that they can do. They're going to do on Arrakis. Like they're going to make grasslands and, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to create a, a moist wind. And he's just that like, oh my God. That like fun to me. No, I don't want that at all. Moist but I guess winds. it's good for the. And he's, he, since he knows everything that's happening scientifically, he could picture it. Like, he could picture all the strata beneath him with, like, mm-hmm. water and rock and the little makers and yeah. all that good stuff. And he's, the, the, the pre-spice smell is getting stronger and stronger. So he knows uh, it's only a matter of time. 
Yeah. And what uh, they he's also there. <laughs> the hawks are starting to like get bold and come closer, which freaks me the fuck out. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> he's he's sort of hopeful at first that a worm is going to come when this blows, but he doesn't have any maker hooks. So if a worm does come, he can't. They ride the worms. Like mm-hmm. I mean, this they haven't really pointed it out in the book yet, but I think we all know. Yeah, but that's what they do. Uh, not like constantly. It's but you know, if he had hooks, he could get himself at least away from this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but his his dad's voice is just in the desert saying things like the highest function of ecology is understanding consequences. It's like no, please stop. He tells him <laughs> to shut up. Uh, yeah, he's um he's got. He, he, I wonder, I kind of have to wonder, like, did this vision for Arrakis, this this dream of having, like, being able, for it to be able to sustain, like, actual life, like, was that his father's vision or is that something that his, you know, has just always kind of been there? Because his dad seemed to have a lot of plans for what he was going to do with Arrakis. I think it's always been there, and it's, you know, mm-hmm. partially the Fremen's plans as well, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's their big secret goals, and, I mean, apparently his dad just never shut up talking about this, so. <laughs> yeah, he wants to make Arrakis a planet of water and vegetation. Those are two things that sound good. They do. And he says, you know, his dad is saying, like, Arrakis is a one-crop planet. And it supports a ruling class. And then, I you love know, that line. Else. Yeah. I think that's so sharp and observant and good that he says that. You know, it's... Could you say it again? Because I interrupted is, you. Oh, it goes, Arrakis is a one-crop planet, one crop. It supports a ruling class that lives as ruling classes have lived in all times, while beneath them, a semi-human mass of semi-slaves exists on the leavings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, that's capitalism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like the only thing that anyone considers Arrakis worth for is the spice. Yeah, and I mean, we know that the Fremen are making money on mm-hmm. the spice and their technology, but as far as anyone knows, yeah, it's just the ruling families. And the smugglers, you know. Well, I kind money. of think that that was Liet's vision, though. That was his doing that got them actually starting to, like, mm-hmm. really solidify and organize and actually make, start, you know, really, like, making money on Spice and, you know, using the this giant resource that they have so much better access to than these outsiders do. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that he would, that that would be like him, you know, he, him, like he's kind of, because he is of both worlds. Like he is of this like sort of colonialist ruling class and of these like native people, these indigenous people that he, he's able to kind of bring both of those visions together and organize everybody to start doing this. That's why I find him such an interesting character. Mm Mm-hmm. And one thing that his father keeps bringing into it is the fact that part of anyone's existence on Arrakis is so tied into their religion and their mythology. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he says, like, this is the way that it's always been because this is the way, you know, they have these beliefs that that's the way it is. And we're going to try to use, basically saying we're going to use science to make Arrakis better. And there are going to be people who just think that it's mystical, but that's okay. So we're going to use religion to make people scientists, basically, Mm -hmm. or or follow these rules of science or whatever. And... So, unfortunately, the bird is getting closer. There are more mm-hmm. hawks coming down. The spi- smell of spice is getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, his dad is still talking. Yeah. His fi- his parting words to me were chilling. Oh, my gosh. Yes. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. He says, no more terrible disaster could befall your people than for them to fall into the hands of a hero. Boom. That should be the subtitle of Dune, right there. 
like no more terrible disaster kinds he leah he has this moment of like awareness this moment of understanding of like what what is going to happen Mm -hmm. and how this is going to basically like set everything that he envisioned for arrakis back who knows untold years yeah because he he suddenly has this idea he has a vision of one possible outcome for Arrakis and he realizes yeah. it's intertwined with Paul and his he thinks that his father's uh halluc- the hallucination says the aforementioned line and he's just like oh he's reading my mind well okay but he yeah. says you know I've already sent messages out to yeah. all the Fremen that they're supposed to help Paul um they might get rid of his mom but they're gonna help him and I can't stop it now yeah it's too you know, late it's like, too late he's- He's already put that those wheels in motion. Uh, the hawks all start to fly away. So he thinks for a second that the Fremen have come. Yeah. But then he hears the earth move under his feet. <laughs> this is serious. This is a serious <laughs> moment. I'm though. sorry, but that's been in my head ever since I read this chapter. Uh, he can feel the sand rumbling. There's a... You could, there's a giant bubble of carbon dioxide forming in yeah. the sand. And it says it would exchange whatever it would exchange what had been formed deep in the sand for whatever lay on the surface. Oh, yeah. And the hawks are like, well, we're out of here. <laughs> yeah. Because they know what he goes. They knew what was happening. Any creature would know. And Kynes thinks, and I'm a desert creature. You see me, father? I'm a desert creature. Oh. And then it blows and... He, he dies. Yeah. And he thinks, and he goes, and this is so sad. It goes, then as his planet killed him, it occurred to Kynes that his father and all the other scientists were wrong, that the most persistent principles of the universe were accident and error. Oh, man. That's dark. Mm, that is very dark. <laughs> and his a... planet, his planet killed him. I mean, p- planets are indifferent, is they the thing. <laughs> Our planet is killing us. <laughs> well, you know, we're working I mean, together. It's our fault, but yes. Uh, <sighs> kinds. I know. It's sad. It really is. This chapter was like, for me, one of the more emotional ones. It, I think it was really well done. I feel like there are ways to write like the end like the last chapter of someone's life basically and and this was really well done and because it does sort of come out of nowhere we don't Mm -hmm. get we get a reference earlier that the harkonnen have have kinds but we don't ever get a scene of him with them yeah like you don't see him like being confronted by the baron you don't Mm -hmm. hear him like you know being all cocky about being planetary ecologists like yeah nothing like that it's just they had him and now they don't yeah because they decided it just wasn't you know he wasn't worth it as it were (sighs) yeah so the yeah the toll the death toll is really starting to it's really starting to tick Mm -hmm. in this book and it's only going to it's only gonna and that's I will say this. I mean, in a way, as far as storytelling goes, mm-hmm. that's good in yeah. this kind of story. Because especially in these kind of circumstances, people are going to die. And I think when a lot of science fiction and fantasy does kind of go with the, oh, we thought so-and-so was dead, and then surprise, there they are. And the people who do die, it's a very big, dramatic, like, you know, Obi-Wan type, this is my sacrifice kind of deal, as opposed to just... Well, sometimes, you know, shit goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Your plan doesn't work or you get there too late or, I mean, like, that's how Duncan Idaho died was that they were just, the, the timing on their plan was just off where he didn't get to run to. Yeah. And that's not, I mean, it's, it's you know, honorable and brave, but they, I mean, I'm sure he would have preferred for that not to have happened. Yeah. As I a matter mean, of fact, we know for a fact he would have preferred for that not right. to have happened. I mean, spoiler alert, but he still has a daughter living. Hashtag get ready for Golas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, so that was a sad chapter, I have to say. Like, but I 
feel like it was it was a good break in between mm-hmm. all the I, I mean and also I mean I do have to point out how baller it is to have like Paul and Jessica squaring off in the last at the end of the last chapter getting ready for a fight and then cut to Kinds wandering around in the desert like about to die. And, you know, that it becomes this sort of ever-present reminder, because obviously now that they've been found by the Fremen, mm-hmm. even if we think that they might possibly die, the Fremen aren't going to leave them out in the desert like this, because yeah. that'd be a waste. But, you know, that was sort of what the Harkonnen were setting them up for. Like, this mm-hmm. could have been them. Yeah. You know, the same thing. I mean, if you're out there without a still suit, there's only so much you're going to be able to do, and unless you can call, a, you know, a maker and you have hooks. Yeah. Because you're not just going to hop on board. Or unless you can find some kind of shelter during the day and travel at night. But yeah. even then. Even then, like, you still have to find water somehow. If you don't have a still suit, you're kind of fucked. I would just be pounding on that sand. Like, worm, worm, worm. <laughs> Please, Just get worm, it over worm. with. It. I would just want worm. it over with, yes. <laughs> How about a worm? <laughs> End my suffering. <laughs> You know, like, sorry that it went this far, guys, but how about a worm? <laughs> that would be my, my Stephen King foreshadowing. She sure. know the next time <laughs> that she was on the sand, she'd be eaten by a giant worm. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> Thanks, Uncle Steve. <laughs> Thanks, Uncle Steve. Oh, uh. so next week we're back with Paul and Jessica and mm-hmm. we're picking up right where we left off. It's actually, I, I kind of read ahead. It's pretty exciting. It's a good chapter. So I'm excited to talk about that. But then mm-hmm. the week Just... after, we will not be putting out an episode because it's Thanksgiving and we've got a shitload of stuff going on. Yeah, I'm going to have a house full of people that I'll mm-hmm. be expected to, I guess, do something with. Yeah, well, make sure that they, you know, don't sell their water drippings. I will. Yeah. I would frown upon that sort of behavior. <laughs> Frank, I mean, I frankly, I would be kind of surprised. But yeah. appalled as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I, I'm sorry, what were you going to say about the next chapter? Oh, just Jessica does some cool stuff. She does, and I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's pretty awesome. I mean, Kynes has this, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily concern, but he, you know, considers that the Fremen might not help Jessica, that she might be, quote unquote, discarded. Um, but uh, no, no, she will not. Yeah, I would say uh, underestimate Jessica at your peril. I also think that it's, I mean, I guess this is the Fremen culture and like they don't have a lot of room for hangers on. But mm-hmm. I also think it doesn't seem particularly likely that that would have been the case anyway. Because I feel like even if, I mean, her ultimate position in the Fremen and everything is is pretty significant. But even if she was just there as Paul's mom, I think, I don't know, like Stilgar would have been like, yeah, I don't know. I guess you could live with me. Like, yeah, you're kind of a, you're good looking. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You could be useful. You never know. Like, what do you, can you got any skills? What can you do? She's like, I went to business college. Um, (laughs) I went to secretarial school. (laughs) I went to the Bene Gesserit secretarial school. (laughs) I'm really excited. This is a good opportunity to talk about Rebecca Ferguson's interview when she was um, doing the press junket for Dr. Sleep, which I still haven't gotten a chance to see, but... She did say, someone did ask her about her character in Dune, and she did say something about being, you know, Leto's, Leto's, like, his advisor, his, his companion, his bodyguard, which I thought, yes. Yes. (laughs) And people, there were... Less than positive reactions to that. Yeah, we, we know. <laughs> but like, it's that not, also... It's not think, cute, okay? There's that. But also, there are so many ways that that kind of phrasing could be taken. Because mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that she's marching around like, you know, Ronda Rousey, like, in that Fast and the Furious movie. Like, oh, I, just, <laughs> I just walk around and I'll, you know, kick your ass. Yeah. You know, do we honestly think that if, if someone had broken into their bedroom, was she just going to be like, oh, well, you're dead. I guess they're going to kill you. 
Like, (laughs) she knows some combat skills. She knows about poisons. You know, she Mm could use a knife. Like, she's that still counts as being a bodyguard. She doesn't have to be walking around in Kevlar or something. Right. Like, And I feel like she would. And and it's probably really, honestly, when you think about it, say you're a lord and you ask your dad or your mentat to go find you a woman and bring her back. (laughs) Go buy a woman for me. Like, they would probably expect, like, there would be some kind of contract. Like, will you put your life Mm -hmm. on the line for your duke? Like, I am sure that that is part of the deal. I would imagine it usually would be, but I'm thinking yeah. if you get a Benny Gesserit, then you kind of have to like you have to put it in writing, <laughs> uncheck uncheck that box because they're probably like um, no. Yeah, if she can still breed, probably not. Yeah. Um, I did make I started a petition on Twitter this week. Yeah. That all of Rulin's epigraphs should just be replaced <laughs> with quotes from the novel Jonathan Livingston Seagull, <laughs> which started because uh, my husband and I were watching a show with our daughter, and there was a character on the show that was a seagull named Jonathan, and I went, oh, dear God. <laughs> and my husband did not get the reference, so I, I had to then look it up for him. If you are unaware of Jonathan Livingston Seagull. It is a novel from the 60s, uh, or 1970, I think, mm-hmm. that is the philosophical musings of a seagull named Jonathan as he debates. He's just thinking about morals and, you know, self-perfection and the meaning of life. And it's... As seagulls are wont to do. It's very popular philosophy, like, mm-hmm. not quite new agey, but... Jungian sort of shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm looking now other books that they're suggesting, and I looked this up to get the date, and it's The Little Prince mm-hmm. uh, and The Alchemist. So that should tell you <laughs> kind of the same, like, what we're dealing with thematically yeah uh also if you've ever read the novel ishmael which is about a guy who learns about philosophy from a telepathic gorilla (laughs) uh so is that what that novel's about i've never read it yes oh yes it is okay uh yeah but if you look on just like goodreads for quotes Mm -hmm. from jonathan livingston siegel they are very frankly if they were in front of any of the chapters of Dune, you would just be like, oh. It, it wouldn't feel out of place at all. <laughs> no, you would just. Oh, my God. So I'm we sorry. read that book in college, but I remember is... very little from it. There is just I was trying to find a quote, but there's just one Goodreads. OK. <laughs> review. One star. <laughs> Don't oh, read boy. this. Don't read this. Go look at a seagull and think about life on your own if you must. <laughs> what you come up with will be better than this. <laughs> oh, bless. Goodreads reviews. Such a double-edged sword. I get bad ones plenty on my own books, and I d- dislike those very much, but then I enjoy reading them for other people's books. <laughs> Don't read this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So here we go. We have a couple. And you'll okay. see what I mean. Yes. Enlighten. I'll read them in my ruling, my ruling voice. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> this way. I... <laughs> Overcome space and all we have left is here. Overcome time and all we have left is now. From Wreckus <laughs> Awakening by Princess Irulan. I mean, that does sound very much like something she would say. What is the one I used on Twitter? Oh, to fly as fast as thought to anywhere that is, you must begin by knowing that you have already arrived. Oh, yeah. Some more Sphinx <laughs> stuff. Everything like that, I just re- I just call it Sphinx from ah. Mystery Men uh, because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just because. I, I can't take it seriously. I just enjoyed that, you know... That's one reason that I do love Twitter is that I can mm-hmm. say something that ridiculous and there's still people who are like, ha ha, like. Yeah. <laughs> like, th- 
Thanks, friends. I mean, it is a garbage fire 99% of the time, but that 1% (laughs) really makes up for it. I mean, last night, my whole thing was like, we went out and met a friend who was in town just for the week and (laughs) came back and was like going to bed. And I just laid down and was like looking through Twitter threads for under the hashtag, um, the birds work for the bourgeoisie because I love that TikTok. (laughs) So, I mean, there are aspects of social media that are very much a gift that -hmm. have given us. Like, I think this was going around a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, because we were talking about, like, comedians who are kind of in the past, stuck in the past, like your Louis C.K.'s, your Ricky Gervais, those guys and how like they rely on sort of cruelty for their comedy mm-hmm. and it's just like they think well you're just censoring me or you you don't know what's funny or whatever and I'm just like and I, I think someone said you know it's totally untrue because if you ever seen a vine <laughs> like vines are hilarious most of them and <laughs> they don't really require punching down on anyone <laughs> oh vine i know r.i.p so beautiful i know and i don't understand tiktok because all i've ever really seen of it is it's the ones that um i guess that you can do them where someone makes a video and then you can make like a response one. Oh sure and i never understand any of those and i'm always <laughs> endlessly fascinated by this made me sound very old but kids today and their cosplay. It's amazing. <laughs> it is. And that's not to say that people didn't cosplay when I was younger and that I didn't know people who were great at makeup or anything right. like that. But it's just you see a Vine or a TikTok and it's just someone is just doing a funny TikTok where they're quoting a commercial, but they're mm-hmm. dressed as a character from a ma- you know an anime or something. And it's just yeah. like, that's amazing that you're just, hi, I'm just in my house in this getup looking yeah. great. just like oh well all right this is see like i see tiktoks and i see vines and stuff and i'm like okay like we're gonna be okay (laughs) the kids are all right i mean there are some that i would definitely skip and not watch but for the most part i don't know and i will admit that i have seen tiktok like compilation videos where anytime yeah. anyone appears to be my age, I'm like, what are you doing? I know. What we don't doing? belong. TikTok is not for us. We can enjoy it. But <laughs> like the olds do not need to be like Gen X. What are you doing? Get off TikTok. Yeah, you do you not can... belong there. And some of them you can tell. I mean, this happened with Vine too, but it's like mm-hmm. some of them you could tell they have roped in an older relative who doesn't exactly know what's happening. <laughs> and it's like, congratulations. You have, you know, your great uncle quoting Rick and Morty. Like, <laughs> does he know what's going on? <laughs> Maybe he does. Like, I don't know his life. You're a but... meme. What's a meme? Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's not to say, you know, I think, I think we're pretty cool. We're cool people. Now we're not cool because I said that, but <laughs> we're not TikTok cool. No, we're not TikTok cool. We're like MySpace cool. We're like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, MySpace. And I'm, I'm fine with We're podcasters, Megan. <laughs> we're not cool. Well, I mean, I saw, what was it in the New Yorker that podcasting has finally like been invented? Cause, oh, yeah. Thanks. Like, Thank you, Conan O'Brien. Because Conan O'Brien does it now, so. Mm-hmm. Now it's in. Hey, have you heard about this new thing? It's called a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I do feel that way sometimes when I talk to people and I'm just like, say, do you know about podcasts? There's so many. (laughs) There's so many. And like, I can barely keep up with what's cool anymore. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's really all I care about. (laughs) Just what podcasts are going to make me sound cool? Yeah, I don't know that i listen to anything that has been like in the zeitgeist except yeah, no. for i mean the true crime wave i definitely hopped aboard that because that's mm-hmm. very much my jam and but... i just listened to i cannot think of it now but i just listened to one that a friend of ours had recommended that was very brief 
mm-hmm. because by the time it was recommended to me, they were all out and oh. they were all like, you know, half an hour. So it was just like, put it on one day and it was done. I was like, see, look at me. No <laughs> one's talking about this anymore, but I've listened to it. Oh, I know exactly what you mean because I'm watching Drag Race through for the first time and mm. I keep wanting to like have reactions and be like, oh my God, Sharon Needles just won Drag Race. And I'm like, yeah, like six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody knows, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> some things you just have to enjoy and just realize that you cannot participate in any kind of fandom, which is how I feel about a lot of K-pop music. Yeah. Because I'm like, I can't talk. You're all 17 <laughs> years old and I feel uncomfortable trying to yeah. talk to you. I'll just listen to this on my, my phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll just this listen to the songs and I don't need to talk to anyone about you. them. Something should be just for you, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I only talk about our Gilded Age, you know, Victorian lady detective mysteries with you guys because I know you guys have read them and I won't seem like a real weirdo. Just yeah. like publicly talking about this series that apparently we're the only people that have read. I don't know. And my mom. <laughs> oh, and your mom. Well, now my cousin is reading them, but she started with like number 15 or something. She no. was like, do I need to start from the beginning? I was like, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> so Yeah, I, I referenced them to my mom because I thought she would enjoy them if she hadn't read them. And she was immediately just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I read those. And it was like, <laughs> Nice. That's um, awesome. My mom just started reading Nora Roberts, so mm, that's going to keep her busy for a while. Moms. <laughs> well, on that note, we do have a plug this week. We do. Yeah. Um, Speaking Megan, of things we're too old for. <laughs> Speaking of things we're too old for. So just an announcement. Megan and I are now staff writers over at the spool.net. So if you have not been there yet, Go check it out. Mm-hmm, please do. It's really great. Really great content about movies, TV, whatever you're watching right now. There's going to be something good on it. Megan and I, we just wrote a piece on what? High School Musical. The musical. The series. That is the title. Yes. yes. And we did watch two full episodes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we reviewed the first two episodes. Uh, this is a Disney Plus show. It just just came out. And yeah, we watched the first two episodes, we wrote a review, and I mean, I think we're maybe not its intended audience. And we're pretty upfront about that. I feel yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was particularly proud of myself as uh, equating the original High School Musical as a result of the Bush administration, so if that's your thing, definitely <laughs> go look for that article. <laughs> I, it was really hard for me to not, like, write a whole thesis on how the Bush years gave us High School Musical. <laughs> I realized that I was vaguely curious as to what happened to, like, most of the other kids that aren't Zac Efron or Vanessa Hudgens. But yeah. then I was like, I don't want to go on those Wikipedia wormholes. That <laughs> might be sad. Yeah. Well, we all know what Zac e- Zac Efron is now Ted Bundy, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Vanessa Hudgens is doing Netflix Christmas movies, which I am super stoked about. Yeah, right I mean, Christmas hey. Christmas looks really fun. Uh, speaking of Christmas movies, mm-hmm. I will just also say I saw the movie last Christmas. Oh, yeah. And it's exactly what you think. It's exactly what you think. Yeah. So if you had any thoughts or theories when you watched the trailer, you're probably absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I will just say it's, I mean, not quite a plug, but it is, I enjoyed it. I yeah. think it's definitely a good, it's going to be one of those, oh, hey, last Christmas is on. I'm leaving mm-hmm. it on HBO. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll see it when it comes on streaming. I'm probably not going to go to the theater to see it. Mm-hmm. Even though Henry Golding is oh, so worth the price of admission. So and gorgeous. So just talented. One thing I will just, I mean, it's not a spoil, spoiler because mm-hmm. it's its a joke. But just as a moment that caused the friend, one of the friends that I saw it with to turn and look at me and be like, did you write that? Is he <laughs> does have a moment where he does a Sean Connery, James Bond impression. And I was like, <laughs> Henry Golding for Bond. I've been saying that. Over I mean, he would be an amazing Bond. 
And now he's finally, he heard me and uh, Emma Thompson heard me and was like, I'm going to write that in to this movie. Wait, I think we really need to appeal to Emma Thompson because I feel like she could pull enough strings and to make she this happen. And she developed the story with Greg Wise. Mm-hmm. So that alone, I was that came on the screen in the opening credits and I was like, aww. I know. A husband now I like writing a, a sweet, well, sweet-ish yeah. holiday movie together. Like, I think that's adorable. I love those two. Mm-hmm. He is a great example of, you know, you feel bad. I mean, I, I guess probably not outside of certain circles, but when you feel bad for people who have played a particular role, and then when you see them, just like, I'm sure he's been at a Starbucks and someone's just been like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because he played Willoughby? Yeah. So oh, yeah. But he's, he was also on The Crown. Like, he was playing um, Prince yeah, well, Philip's uncle. I know that. I know he was Lord Mountbatten, but he was also, well, I mean, also I'd hiss at him for, that's a different, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's a, a different time. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, but he's just, what do you, like, whenever I rewatch Sense and Sensibility, which I do very frequently, like, just the minute he shows up, you're just like, boo. <laughs> Try Did we hard. talk about this on the last episode? Because I'm having some distinct deja vu. Probably about mentioning that Dominic Cooper played Willoughby in the la- in the miniseries. I could see that. And you said, "Ooh, <laughs> we did talk about this." I think the only movie I've ever seen <laughs> Dominic Cooper in is which one's Dominic Cooper? <laughs> Give me more <laughs> basis for this. There's some look. A lot of them look very similar. Um, did you watch Agent Carter? He played um, no. Howard Stark and Agent Carter. You never watched Agent Carter. I, I don't really watch the Marvel TV shows. Oh, well, that one was very good. That's what I heard. I have that lipstick. Yeah, I do I too. Uh, Sammy bought it for me. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was in Mamma Mia. Uh, he's in Preacher. He plays Jesse on Preacher. Um, well, I know who he is now from just these references because I've seen that. And I believe the only thing I have seen him in is Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> oh, yeah. He is in that. <laughs> he is very much in that. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the few movies where in the theater, when the opening credits started, if you've seen that movie and you've seen the end credits, I mean, the I end credits, the, the theater, end credits. Yeah. I legitimate I legitimately screamed the moment I realized what was happening in the end credits. I was sitting next to my husband and I went, ah! And he laughed a lot. I don't know that I stuck around for the credits, honestly. I saw it. I said, well, that was some shit. I got up and left. Anyone who's not, you can look this up on YouTube, but anyone who's not seen the movie, I'm just going to say it out right now. The opening of the end, end credits before like i guess like the main credits start mm-hmm. is blood droplets making a map of the united states oh yeah i remember the that. continental united states I yeah should clarify we don't get like a little alaska or anything <laughs> but it was just like the the drop of blood it was like a cool imagery and some lincoln park was playing and i was just like all right this this battle will make sense and then the minute i forget what it was it was like it started to make like Baja California, and I went like, "Wait, oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> I know. We watched it with some family at some point because it was one of those where it was on TV. Like we were yeah. having dinner at a family yeah, yeah. member's house, and it was like, "Oh, I mean, hey!" It was a good like, "Oh, it's summer. Let's go to a movie." Yeah, totally. Yeah. But the same thing. Like as soon as the credits started, my sister-in-law went, "No." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry sis <laughs> well i guess that should probably wrap it up for yeah this week. i think we've gone on <laughs> we, if we start talking about jane austen adaptations we'll be here all night so, you have other outlets for that <laughs> yeah exactly um where can people find us on the internet megan uh we are on twitter yes. at weirding pod Mm-hmm. Uh, you're making me say all this when I don't have my phone to verify uh-huh, any of this. I sprung it on you. We're on Instagram at Weirding Podcast, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, weirdingpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to email us, we will read your letter if you would like for us to. We will happily read your letter on the mm-hmm. show. Um, ask us questions. We love questions. Send us fan art. We love yeah. all of that stuff. 
And uh, we are going yes. to have merch. Yes. Yes. We are in talks with our artist, and I don't want to spoil anything, but if you were wanting a Get Ready for Gola's t-shirt, we could probably make that happen. I think you'd be the coolest person to know what a Gola is. Yeah. Imagine walking into the Dune premiere, going to see that movie, wearing a shirt that says Get Ready for Gola's. You will be, you will look sickening. Mm-hmm. Yes. I Everyone will be like, holy shit, what is that? That's exactly what will happen. Yep. They'll probably mean what's a Gola, but then you can explain <laughs> it to them. I'm just here for Timothy Chalamet. I don't know. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here for the kid with the hair. <laughs> they're just using him to, they're using him to lure people into Dune. Or like, I think say, that's going to happen. <laughs> like, who's hmm. this, this modern, who's this kid the, the kid's like? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get one of those. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us this week. Everyone, thanks for listening, and we'll see you back next week. Bye.